You're listening to the Elephant in the Room Property Podcast, where the big things that never get talked about actually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia, and author of a new book, Auction Ready, How to Buy Property Even Though You're Scared Shitless. And I'm Chris Bates, financial planner and mortgage broker. And together, we're going to uncover who's really making the decisions when you buy a property. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website, as well as download our free full or forecaster report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au Please stick around for this week's Elephant Rider Bootcamp. And we have a cracking Dumbo of the Week coming up. Before we get started, everything we talk about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent. They will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances. Now let's get cracking. This podcast is all about helping us all become better elephant riders. And just a quick recap in case this is the first time you've tuned in. The elephant is a metaphor for our subconscious mind, which many experts believe is responsible for upwards of 80% of our decision making. So the subconscious mind is the elephant and the rider, that little human being sitting on top of the elephant, is the metaphor for our rational mind, the one we think is in control. But we all know that if your elephant wants to go left, your puny rider on top might want to go right, but you're probably going to end up going left. The implications of having our unconscious mind dominate our decisions around property are quite scary. So many of our episodes have been dedicated to increasing our awareness of how we are being influenced without our knowing. In this episode, we are going to get into some serious elephant rider training. We're going to learn some skills for improved decision making. Today, we're talking with Jackie Pollock, founder of Human Leadership, a consultancy that provides leadership, coaching, and workshops in the corporate arena. Her client list includes some big names, Audible, McDonald's, Sunrise, the Department of Education, and SBS Television. And she's not only a leadership coach, she's also a family coach with rich experience of human behavior at work and at home. Her family coaching practice attracts parents wanting to create better relationships with their teenagers. Jackie has run hundreds of workshops helping people use the funnel to move from feeling stressed and banging their heads against a brick wall to having game-changing conversations with themselves and others. With over 2,000 coaching hours under her belt, Jackie's certainly heard hundreds of stories from people facing big life decisions who feel challenged and stressed about making the best choice. She understands what's needed to stay at your best and be resourceful when you're about to make a life-changing decision. Simply put, Humans make better decisions when they are at the top of the funnel. So, Jackie, I can't wait to find out more about how we can do this. Thank you so much for joining us. Nice to be here. Thanks, Veronica. Hi, Jackie. How are you doing? Doing really well, Chris. Thanks for joining us. So I love, I guess, models and, and questions and, you know, things that we can follow to to kind of go back to when we're feeling unsure of things. I guess where did the whole idea of the, the, the model that you've created, where did that come from and and what drove that in the first place? I think I love your, your thought there around things to go back to. Mm. And the funnel is so actually profoundly simple. Um, we just need to remember. Uh, and the funnel, a little bit like your elephant metaphor, it's just a really easy thing to, mm. to visualise um, when you need to really kind of pull it back into your consciousness. And so... What kind of drove you to kind of create that? Because it's your, you created it, right? So what what kind of drove you to create that in the first place? Like what problem were you trying to solve? I think after hours and hours of coaching people um, and also studying, I study lots about personality and one tool I love or one map really is called the Enneagram. And it talks about nine different personalities. Mm. But there's almost different levels of each of those personalities. Mm-hmm. So that's where we came up with the funnel. At the top of the funnel, you're, you're your best self, really. Yeah. You're your most expansive and you're calm and happy and confident. And at the bottom of the funnel, it's really quite dark down there. You're really restricted and, and squished. And a lot of people I coached were showing up at the bottom of the funnel, mm. not only to their coach sessions, actually, but they were realising they, they were rocking up every day to work mm. with their families, in their relationships, how they were making decisions, really from that very constrained place at the bottom of the funnel mm. where, where we just we just react we've got very little choice down there mm. and do you find that can be either like incident 
you know, something's happened and we quickly go down to the bottom of the funnel where we become stressed and clouded and not sure what to do. Or it can be like, you know, life's just getting, you know, unbalanced sort of thing. It's kind of can be either or that drives us to the bottom of the funnel. Yeah, it can be either or. And and the first step actually is trying to catch what just happened that sent you down there. We, we call it a trigger mm-hmm. and the trigger can be an event it can be another person, which mm. it normally is, to be honest, yep. um, or it can be a thought that you're having. Um, so you, you, in order to to be aware that you're at the bottom of the funnel, you've got to catch that trigger first. He's a good trigger. A lot of people get very triggered when they're dealing with sales agents. You know, they feel that they're not getting all the information. They feel that they're being made fools of, mm. you know, all that sort of stuff. So... I guess I could sort of imagine that people are quite calm when they don't feel that they're being made fools off and they're not being um, or there's no information being withheld from them. But then when they sort of get constricted, it's when they start reacting to that rather than, you know, understanding fully what's going on. Would you say that would be a good example? That is exactly it. And, in fact, it's been quite interesting in the last few weeks in the lead-up to coming to talk to you, I've been kind of uh, fishing for property-related triggers. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I've been talking to... Yeah, it, 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 it also makes me realise so many people, the impact of either buying, renting, selling mm. property, mm. the impact that has on your ability to show up resourcefully yeah. at work and in family is huge. Yeah. So it's been I've, I've quite a lot of fun, actually. Mm. I've been oh, cool. catching these. So, so yeah. it's quite interesting. These are some of the triggers that I hear from people about... The process, mm. and then it will be. You'll have mm. ones from the other way around, really, because there'll be events and things that trigger yep. you for different reasons. So you, you, you're right. It is around information and the mm. thought that you know information might not be might be being um, withheld. But they say things like it can be as simple as something like viewing time. You like the clash with another oh, property yeah. that yep. can send them off. Uh, the behaviour <laughs> of other viewers actually wow. at the property. Um, Anything one, specific on that one? Well, <laughs> normally when other people start sort of getting a little pushy or they try yeah. to start getting more time ah. with the agent, um, <laughs> even the way other buyers dress, even that came up, wow. um, where they park their cars outside, you know, showing yeah. that, hey, um, this, one's, this one's mine, I'm already in the drive, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, this one had me laughing a lot and actually they had me laughing but... This is where the funnel is so useful. Something, if you're going in a, in a couple, something that their partner either does or says yep. when they're viewing yep. everything from their body language to a comment or a facial expression, yep. massive trigger yep. to send the other person down the, down the funnel. Um, yeah, real estate agents, their tone, the actual words or their behaviours, the whole process of getting your property ready just for open inspections yep. and all the stuff goes with that. Um, and then... A whole load of other things that you know we can get into a little bit more, but some of the almost the assumptions and the biases people run mm. um, around the whole process mm. and, and the people involved. So it's interesting. So someone's going to an open home and they really want to see whether they want to buy the place or not. So they should be really just focused on the actual property itself and does that suit their needs? Uh, and basing you know going there with an open mind and you know, not really worrying about what other people are wearing or doing or saying, et cetera. But what you're saying is that people are going into that environment and then getting triggered by something <laughs> and then going down a whole negative mindset when not even focusing on the property itself. Wow. And whether yeah. it's... Um, it's uh, a reaction to sort of like whether they feel that they don't deserve something or whether they do deserve something. It's got that sense of entitlement, whether they're rebounding off that. It's ph- phenomenal. And so therefore the same stimulus could be happening, but different people will react to that differently. And this is the fascinating thing about the different personalities. Same same trigger, and then each person will respond to it in yeah. a different way. Yeah. So some people will, st- will still stay at the top of the funnel. Others will go down the funnel. Now imagine there are nine different funnels, and the behaviours at the bottom are really, really different. Mm. So then your behaviour at the bottom of the funnel triggers someone else to go down to the bottom oh, of the of funnel. Course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that, like, you know, the, the better agents out there, though, um, you know, are, are more aware of how they they can impact buyers and things like that. But I'm sure some some agents are completely oblivious that how they are ticking off buyers and upsetting buyers because, um, you know, and and sometimes you know we've gone through the the buying process recently, and um, you know, there's sometimes agents that I would like I would purposely not want to buy off them because of the way the experience went when I went there or what, what happened. Now that shouldn't really be affecting my decision, but subconsciously it was kind of 
grilling on me, I really don't want to buy off that agent, um, mm. which is crazy because I should be just caring, caring about the property, isn't it? it? It's phenomenal what happens to internal dialogue. See, when you've been triggered by someone or a, a, a type of person yep. already, so already you started to build a bit of a bias and an mm. assumption. Um, but sometimes you have something called a compound trigger. So it just keeps coming back. Mm. And it, 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 <laughs> what it does is it stops you being present mm. because... Instead of listening to what's going on, yes. you listen to yourself. Yeah. That's all you can hear. Mm. Mm. Oh, it's, it's just mind-blowing. I've, I've, I've just got so many scenarios playing through my head where mm. I've seen people particularly coming to us and, and when they I always want to know what they've been doing in their property search so far, uh-huh. you know, what's been happening for you, what's led you to actually, you know, potentially reach out and get some help. And so many of these stories, they do, they just balloon out of, and it's quite clear that, you know, they've got sort of a set of beliefs or whatever that has been fed by whatever stimulus has been fed to them rather than actually what's been going on. And it's a horrible place to be because it's so stressful. And the, the like you say, the implications of getting it wrong are so enormous and they know that. And so, yeah, it's bizarre. And they get sort of in a whirlpool. You, of- you do. It's interesting you say whirlpool. At the bottom of the funnel, we've, we've designed this other kind of bit of, of the model um, and we call it the spinning wheel. You know, you know when your computer mm. just totally freezes and mm. it's gone into overwhelm? Oh, the bouncing beach ball. You get the bouncing beach yeah, ball, yeah. that kind of yeah. spinning wheel of death. Well, we've actually used that and we've, we've designed <laughs> different spinning wheels for the different personality types. Because oh, wow. spe- if it's your habit... If it's because a value of, you know, say for instance, you are, uh, you're a type one. Um, I'm just referring here to the Enneagram personalities. You're yeah. type one. Now they're 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 quite perfectionistic, mm. but they're very orderly, very organised, mm. brilliant at the top of the funnel. They really value honesty mm. and fairness. Mm. Now they're going into a house buying situation, and Ooh. unfortunately, there's honesty and fairness isn't isn't kind of no. available Not in abundance, put no, it that no. way. So when a value of theirs is missing, that will trigger them. Mm. They think somebody's lying and not telling them the truth right down to the bottom of the funnel. They then become really rigid. Mm. They can only kind of see black and white and they just lose that ability to be more resourceful in how roll they with it. kind of roll mm. with it and you're making these lovely decisions about your future and they find all I'm doing is being critical and judgmental mm. and then it ekes into other parts of their life as and well actually because of course the thing is of course so say they buy something although although type one if they get into that sort of that black and white they often they buy. don't buy because they That's will be like thinking. going mm. well i'm not paying you that price or they they get some fixation against the vendor or whatever yeah or the agent or both um but for someone else who ultimately does buy and they buy reaction in a reactionary way rather than, a, you know, a whole mind way where they really considered their decision. Afterwards, after the pressure's off, then what happens? I guess it depends if they feel they've made a decision from the best of themselves or yeah. the worst of themselves. If they feel mm. they made the decision from the worst place, then... Normally, they kind of start resenting. Mm. They resent the decision they made. And then actually, they end up doubting themselves, self sabotage themselves a little yes. bit. And you set up another pattern of mm. saying, Oh, well, I'm rubbish at this. I can't be trusted to make decisions. I'm you. useless with. And, yep. and, and your internal dialogue becomes kind of even more catastrophic or, mm. or is loaded with even more judgments. Mm. I, I really like that idea where. You, you know, you become a bit resentful or you look back on your decision and you create all these negative emotions around it because I think that's the the ultimate worst outcome, right? You've gone and mm. out in the house buying journey, you've gone and looked around and then you bought the wrong property and you rushed it and you didn't do enough due diligence or it just doesn't suit you. You move in, you've got the mortgage, you paid the stamp duty and then you have to kind of pay the mortgage and you're kind of stuck, right? You can't just rewind that decision. So I think the... I guess what's ways you can counteract that where you're not going to regret a decision? So what are some of the things you should do up front to, I guess, make sure that you're doing the right decision for yourself? I think the the way that we find people stay at the top of the funnel or or rather stay at the top of the funnel because we're not saying top is good and bottom is bad. Mm. (laughs) We're all this beautiful repertoire of Mm. (laughs) humanness that go up and down it. The best thing we can do for ourselves is to catch ourselves where we are. I I think some of our most 
profound human moments occur when we catch ourselves spiraling down. You know, and that it probably comes more profound than just buying our house. It's around mm. how we relate to people and our mm. relationships. If we can catch ourselves before we start spiraling, then we can choose to respond differently. We can repair a relationship mm. or we stay really connected. But back to your point, Chris, about decisions, catching it is 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 the big thing. Mm. So um, I think you say in your intro, Veronica, that about 80% of our our conscious mind is responsible for about mm. 80%. Mm. And, and here's our problem. We need to get that unconscious assumptions and internal dialogue and patterns of behavior. We need to get that into our conscious mind. Mm. Um, then we can kind of inquire. We can do a bit more with it. Yeah. So what is it? Your heart rate going up. It's the, you know, tunnel vision, negative thinking. Like, is this when you... You know you're heading down there. Yeah, so some something physical can often occur when you get triggered. I mean, it, you know, so you know, you just actually you could just think now about things that trigger you. You know, mm. I mean, some people will just think, you know, back at home they get home and they're I don't know teenagers have left the house in a complete tip and there's towels, wet towels on the floor or something. Oh, or that's there's very yep, triggering. There we up, <laughs> triggering. So just <laughs> looking across at you, thinking that might be one. And well, happened to me the, yesterday. I was people's... driving and lady was tailgating me. There you go. And I'm like. Do you not be that close to behind, like behind the car? And I was like watching, and I'm watching, and I'm like, you're getting closer, and this is dangerous. Like, what did you do? And I, oh, I was just, kept, I couldn't turn off the road as well. And you so slow I down just, to a crawl well, and make no, them I was, overtake I was you. At my speed limit. I'm, like, I'm driving fine. Like, and this is, you know, morning, seven o'clock, like down a, you know, pretty busy road. Like anything could happen. I don't want to be going 80 k's down there, which she wants to go. Um, and it was frustrating me so much. He's such a like, nana. And so, <laughs> I mean, I guess catching that though, so I just yeah, wasted you, probably about two or three minutes of frustration. Didn't you? Yeah. On yeah. Uh, and Melanie, it was like next to me, and she's like, what, "What's up?" I said, "This lady's tailgating me," and I was getting all frustrated. And um, but yeah, it's, so it's completely unproductive, right? But it's what, comp- yeah. So mm. so you're right. But what you were saying out about the physical thing. So you're right. You the first sign you well actually this is almost the second sign but the first one sign you can get is something physically happens mm. so yeah your, your heart rate can yeah. can increase some people tell me they get a bit of a dry mouth yeah. uh, sometimes they get like a churning in the stomach I get like indigestion get indig- yeah, yeah. Or, or you know some people like feel this tension and, and yeah, they start mm. they're talking about the trigger and I watch yeah. their shoulders like uh, yeah. this so watch your body first because that's the first sign that, that you pay attention to that right and then the, the second bit in, because the, the, the step one to get back up the funnel, I call catch. Mm. <laughs> so step one is catch that trigger. Um, but you have to be quite specific about what it was the person did, because you've then gone and made some meaning about mm. what the person did. Yeah. Um, there was someone that used to write um, emails to me, and when they got really angry, they'd put, oh, I don't know if they were angry. I was guessing. <laughs> but when they were trying to make a point, put it that way, in the text of the email, they'd write in capital letters. Yeah, yeah. Trigger. Mm. Massive trigger. Shouting. So I'm saying, stop shouting at me. You're rude. You know, I'm just <laughs> going to ignore you. But the more I worked it out, the trigger wasn't those capital letters. The trigger became their, their name their in my name, inbox. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I saw the name, trigger. Yeah. Um, you know, when we think about property. You go to property and you see a real estate agent. You can immediately mm. just look mm. at someone and you're triggered down to the bottom mm. of the funnel. It's a Pavlov's dog, isn't it? it exactly. <laughs> yeah. Someone said it happens in a 60th of a second. I don't know how they can manage it. Wow. Measure a second, but it's really quick. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. So you're feeling this and you go, this is not a great place to make a decision. What, you know, and going through the buying. So you might be buying a property now or you might be thinking about selling it. What's the best thing to do to just, is it give yourself time, step away from the, the situation, wait till you become a bit more calm and then rethink about your problem? Is that? That works. Yeah. If you're interested in exploring it a little deeper, what yeah. you then do is when you've caught your trigger, you work out what on earth am I saying to myself? Because mm. when you get mm. triggered, you are making a statement. Now, you might have done this for a long time. If it's something that triggers you all the time, it takes a while to kind of get this statement out of your head. Mm. I quite often actually tell people, write it down. Well, your, yeah. your brain's mm. not clever enough. It'll just keep colluding with it. So someone yes. interrupts you and you're just immediately going, you're rude, you're unprofessional, you're, you know, mm. all these things. Well, it's more, isn't it? Nobody respects me. It's, yeah. It's, that's sort of you because it's about you it's, in a way, it, isn't it? It's like, yes, right. that person may or may not be rude, but it's what you tell yourself about you that's... Yeah. that's 
what makes you feel sick. Yes. <laughs> you, know? you, you tend to, the, the voices, the voice in the, in the bottom of the funnel can be quite, um, quite judgmental mm. and mm. critical. They normally go out to the other person, but then to yourself. Mm. So, yes, you know, you're telling lies, you're dishonest, whatever, but then it comes back to you. Because the reality is that when we're not stressed and we come across somebody as being rude or telling lies or whatever, but there's no impact on us, we, who gives a shit? Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, whatever, you're a liar and I don't care, I don't have to interact with you. But if it's attached to something as meaningful as buying my home, you know, that becomes intensely personal, yeah. doesn't it? You, you know, buying anything to do with buying and selling your home, it's it's such a highly personal um, thing that we're all going through that you are your 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 triggers are kind of on high mm. alert. Mm. You're, you're and that's one of the truths is just to say I am going to be more sensitive to this. Mm. Um, so to your to your point, it's around pausing and trying to slow down the speed that that spinning wheel is whizzing around, mm. so you can then get some of those thoughts out of your subconscious into your conscious, and then you look at them, especially if you've written them down. And you just say, is, is that true? Actually, mm. is, is that really true? Um, and when we, when we analyse that, then we see the different perspectives, mm. the things that are true and false, and it kind of begins to give us an insight then. But when you're under stress and you're feeling under pressure, particularly, you know, in the, like an agent might call you and say there's an offer on a property, for instance, yep. and then there's all these different alternatives of what could have happened, whether they're telling the truth, not telling the truth, what the process yep. is going to be, options that you have at your disposal. And quite often people don't go through a very logical path when this mm -hmm. sort of happens because mm. it's like um, they feel under pressure to perform very quickly. They don't often have the luxury of time to slow down, catch, let's think, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like um, so, yeah, how do, how do people get their best and also, I, I guess when you first explained the funnel to me off off air, which is why I wanted you to come into the podcast, because I just thought I had this sort of visual of when you're in the the funnel and the constricted, and I didn't even understand the nine personality types at that point, but I just thought you've got less ability to, to even conceive of other alternative ways of approaching this. Um, and obviously when you've got the benefit of, of being more flexible in your thinking styles, then of course you have. But when you're in con constricted um, headspace. So I'm really curious to know that at that point, you know, you catch yourself, you don't have the luxury of time. How can you then get yourself back to that expansive thinking? It's a couple of thoughts. One actually is our whole, um, our whole thinking about time, actually. Because sometimes people, oh, that'll, that'll take me hours to unpack <laughs> all that lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it might not. If you're really discerning and you've learned to be more discerning about what you're thinking about, mm. you can actually use this thing in real time really quickly. But you almost kind of need to do a bit of practice beforehand. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, and this is kind of like our, you know, this is one of the things about kind of our muscle around our emotional intelligence, mm. really. Yep. Um, and you're so right, Veronica, what you were saying about, you know, I kind of know at the top and I know those are the qualities that I can use to be more resourceful mm. and calmer and everything. Um, but if I haven't got easy access to those when I need them, mm. how the hell am I going to find them? Mm. If you, literally imagine yourself at the bottom of the funnel, yeah. you're looking upward. It's like you being really underwater. Like, yeah. They're up there. You can really <laughs> visualise it. You're like yeah. pointing up. They go, I want one of those. So some of the things that, that I encourage people to do, and it, look, it sounds a little, um, it sounds simple really profound it's to work out actually who am i when mm. I'm at the top yeah. Of funnel? yeah what yeah. what really are the qualities yeah. the values that that i use when i'm really being my best if i can find even i can find five words yeah that describe those mm. And I do quite a lot, you know, some people make nice pictures around them or some people yeah. just, you know, make a visual or something. Or, Trigger back the other way. Yeah, I, I need to find them. Mm. It's, it's um, I need to find some shortcuts to, you know, one of mine is that I'm at the top of the funnel, I'm really, really creative. Mm. At the bottom of the funnel, I'm flipping hideous because I mm. get really, like, moody and quite like a martyr and bleh. <laughs> when I'm down there, if I literally just, okay, I just need, sometimes I sort of say to people, it's a bit like a volume control mm. you know, or graphic equaliser. You've got all mm. these different qualities. 
you just need a bit of creative. I just need three out of ten. That's all mm. I need right now. Now, even in saying mm. that to myself, I'm going to start creeping up. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to respond differently. So it's identifying, you know, the aspirational behaviour in a way, isn't it, to say, oh, that's actually the way I want to behave, not not this way. Or it's the way I can behave because I know I can because I've been there and I know that when I haven't been under stress I've been able to do this. And I guess that's that self-talk, isn't it, around all that. I've actually, mm. um, you were kind enough to give me a copy of your book and I know I stole it. And I'm jumping the queue and wouldn't let Chris have it because yep. he's not a dad yet, whereas I am a mum. Well, um, technically, yes, but anyway. Well, as in, as in, you're not parenting on the outside. Yes. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. he's a dad. He's not parenting on the outside. He's talking through the belly. He's talking through the belly. He's got that, a little Lisa. extra. I've had 13 years of parenting on the outside, <laughs> so he's um he's a little bit behind the eight ball. So you yeah. can get the book next, okay. um, or I'll give it to you next. I handle it to you, but um. So I went through those styles and it's actually interesting because you do a little bit of a diagnostic in there, self-diagnosis, and um, and I'm number seven, by the way. Uh-huh. That's my number one <laughs> dominant. I thought I'd be number one, but I wasn't. It's the seven and the one really closely linked. This yeah. is the great thing. See, mm. we can be the best of one of them mm. and then when we get quite stressed, mm. we go to the worst yeah, of the one. Yeah, I'm the worst of, the of one. I so can definitely see it. Yeah, so you're a seven <laughs> and you go to the worst of the one. And the worst of the one is highly critical. <laughs> Oh, Perfectionist. <laughs> so anyone who knows me, yeah, right. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's quite interesting. Even just the fact that that you you go into different zones. So we're not sort of it's not just like a personality type where you go, well, that's it. I'm everything in there. It's under stress. You'll do this and in your best. So it is quite fascinating um, to look at that. And, and even in itself is quite expansive in its thinking, mm, you know, once mm. you start getting your head around that sort of thing. But um, you, do you find that you need someone to get you out of it though? Like, because if you're kind of, if you can't find the trigger, you're just not even aware that you've been triggered. You're just down in this negative, And then your partner's also been triggered. Because you're both frustrated, you've been looking, and you're both down there. You're fighting but, each other. Yeah, and you're kind of both just, you know, in this really negative space. No one's dragging the other one back up. I, I kind of feel like that's where a third party really adds the most value. And I think, like, you know, it's hats off to buyers agents in this space because, you know, a lot of buyers mm. through the journey would be triggered, you know, oh, I've missed out yeah. at auction. Yeah. I can't find the right property. We need to buy tomorrow. And it's just that buyer's agent to kind of give them that kind of guidance and coaching and drag mm. them back up and lift their confidence back up and thinking. And I think, do you find that's where the real value of a third party, like in coaching and relationships and things like that? I think, I mean, to start with, I would imagine a lot of buyer's agents and real estate agents, I suppose, you, you, you do a lot of coaching and counselling through that process. Yeah. We because call it property therapy. Property therapy. <laughs> yes. There we go. Nice yeah. word. Because um, you are, you're, you're holding people. And it's a responsibility. Yeah. You know, yeah. we, we've chosen to work with children uh, with children and with people when they're going through big transitions so mm. i do feel for any of us it's a responsibility for us to be respectful and mm. empathetic to, to to what they're going through but to your bit um earlier on chris quite often i i am um, i go into all my coaching sessions and workshops and i carry around i've Your got funnels. them i carry around little plastic red funnels <laughs> now you two can laugh because yeah. you see what i'm doing but mm. it's easy also to visualize and imagine so many conversations occur when both people imagine there's a funnel and there's pointy bits at the bottom so many conversations occur when both oh, people at the bottom yeah. of the funnel yes. and it's just like bing 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 <clears throat> and it's yeah. everything you say triggers the oh, other person yeah, yeah so it takes the bigger human to be the one and all you're looking for is to do something different, mm. which breaks the pattern. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you often find in relationships, it's funny, there's always a habit. It's normally one is, one is the person that manages to bring yep. the other mm. up. No, probably that person's just got a little more heightened yep. emotional intelligence that around. initiates the breakup down the future because <laughs> yes. the other one's just... <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to make the Not call. taking responsibility <laughs> for themselves. So the elephant in the room is 100% for you. The reason that Chris and I do this podcast is because we passionately believe that property buyers can do it better. We really want to help all of you understand all the risks, but also the ways in which you can avoid your elephant making the decisions. But what we would love for you to do is just to share this episode and share other episodes with people around you that are going through the property process. Give us a review on iTunes. A five star, please, would be very appreciated because this is about making sure that we all benefit from the wonderful information that our guests have been sharing with us.
sometimes you get clients who one really mm. wants to buy and then the other one's mm, being the yeah. one who's holding them back. Like, yeah. let's keep waiting, yeah. you know, and they kind of balance each other out pretty good, to be honest. Because, yeah, which means they never buy. Well, no, they, <laughs> they, they sometimes will because it just takes time for this other person to get to that point where mm. they're both ready to go. Yeah. I, and so I think that's actually a really good match. Mm. But I've also seen the opposite where you've got two people who are very conservative and they're both kind of talking each other out. So when someone gets excited about a property, the other one talks them out or the other way, you get two people who are trigger happy who just want to buy. Um, and so they're the kind of people I think you need the, the help the most. Um, but they're the ones that are least likely to get the help. Yeah. The ones that are trigger happy. Yeah. Like they're all gung-ho. That's what I think anyway in my experience. <laughs> but it is that that couple thing is really interesting mm-hmm. because you do see that a lot, don't you? And then they focus very much on the differences. And I see it a lot of fear. I see that quite often, particularly with a couple, you know, young families is a really good example because quite often one, and look, you know, it's stereotypical and I don't necessarily agree with this society, however, it's still mostly the women if they're going to take a backward step in their career and take spend more time at home, for instance, for a period of time, not always but mostly. So it might be in a stereotypical couple that husband's working ridiculous hours because, you know, that he's... Um, sh- shouldering the financial weight mm. and the wife's at home with the kids and, you know, she's a career person too and it's not really that fulfilled by doing that but that's the decision they've decided to do for their their family and all the rest of it. So being connected and 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 mobile and all that sort of stuff are really important to her, not so to him because he gets to go to the office every day. Yeah. And, you know, so the drivers and the fear around that, he's worried she just wants to spend more money to be in an expensive area so that, you know, he's going to be working till he's 80. Yeah. She's worried that, oh, my God, we're going to work move out to the Burbs where we're going be miles away from anybody and I'm going to be so miserable and I don't want that life. Um, So you got this this massive pool and you got both of them at the top of the bottom of their funnels and I can just sort of visualise your two funnels there and so he's got his fear around that and she just wants to spend all my money and and he just wants to be a tight ass and he doesn't agree with, you know, all that sort of stuff that they talk about. I mean, sorry, I can go on and on and on. Hours about this because I come across it all the time. You must see it. You will Mm. see it all the time. Well, the two, I think, I mean, I've I've, I've got clients exactly in that situation um, and they're they're in a house and they aren't fulfilled in the house. It's just Mm. not in location they want to be. But to it's a good house. Mm. It's, you know, inner west suburb, you know, et cetera. But... You know, one wants to upgrade, one doesn't want to upgrade. Mm. And, you know, it's been lots of meetings around discussing whether that's a viable option or not. Um, he's coming from a point of view that, you know, worried that in 10 years' time there might could be redundancy, which could happen to anyone. Mm. And he's, you know, worried that, yeah, even though he's at the top of his game now, in 10 years' time all of a sudden something could happen, he could get redundant, his salary could halve, and he doesn't want to have a huge mortgage. She goes, well, I want to live for today. You know, we've got two young kids. We're not on the right road. We want to be in a better suburb. Let's do it for today. And he's and so they're coming at two different points. One is really worrying about the mm. financial side of it. One really wants to get the lifestyle. And I, I think it's, you know, that's where, you know, through conversations like with me, we kind of really understand is it viable or not. Um, and so I guess that's where you get someone to drag you back up the funnel where you're thinking more kind of clearly. I think, I mean, great conversations in a way that they must be having. Because yeah. if you know that much information about them, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're having this three-way or whether yeah, you just no, all face three to face, cool. yeah. So what, what <laughs> yeah. can, but what, those are really great conversations because what's coming out there is the real, the real truths mm. about what's important. Now, the higher we get up the funnel, the more willing and safe and actually better we are at expressing our truth. Mm. And we can say it in a way that doesn't hurt other people. Um, and actually that other people can understand. And and does expressing our truth and being heard help us go up the funnel? Yeah. So yes. it's sort of a bit self-fulfilling. It's completely. And when you have two couples with two different motivations, now it's a different stage of life, yeah. it's different mm. lifestyle, and also you know, two different personalities yep. as well. And um, nothing's, neither is right or wrong. No, no, no it's, it's just a just, fact. It's, they just, yeah. And it's like, yeah. yeah. But yeah. The, the conversations that go gritty are when one of them doesn't feel listened to and understood. Yeah. Big, big trigger, huge trigger for most human beings. So they then go down to the bottom of the funnel and everything the other person is saying, they're listening from the bottom of the funnel. Yeah. It's a really grim place to listen yep. to mm. someone mm. and it's a really grim place to talk to someone from as well because it's it's not it's not real authentic yeah. truth. It's not really connected conversations. Mm. I can sense it pretty quick. Uh, so... 
I'll always, um, sometimes in the first call, I'll, I'll just have one party. So it could be the, the guy or the girl. Mm. Um, and they'll have that, you know, half an hour chat because it's, you know, generally, generally during the day, during the week. And, you know, it's usually a bit much to get both on that first yeah. call. But the second meeting, I always have like with both parties. And I think in the first, you know, five minutes, I can probably tell like really what the personality is. And you can, unless both are on the same page, like, Someone like, for example, you know, the female might get triggered and you can see it completely shuts off from the conversation, yeah. withdrawal, not invested in it. And it's kind of a complete waste of time mm, to be there. And mm. I guess what I'm in that situation, I go and I just focus all my attention on her to get her included, to make sure she's heard. Because, you know, if, if someone's trying to lead the conversation and one's getting their voice out, unless the other person gets their voice out, it's kind of like there's no, you're not really making a decision together, are you? You're not. And, and one of those spinning wheels at the bottom, one one of them that we have is is actually around detach. And that's what some that's what some personality types do. They just detach yeah. this conversation. Yeah. I'm not being heard and no one's taking me seriously. I'm mm. not interested. And actually all they're doing is listening to all their damaging self-talk yeah. at yeah. the bottom of the funnel. Um so look, what you know, it sounds one of the things that you do in there is really allow both um both viewpoints to be heard and one of the lovely ways of getting someone up the funnel is just paraphrase back what they've said yeah it's the most nice way of being recognized and if you do it if you do it from a top of the funnel place <laughs> just your nature your voice your 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 intent to try and help someone come up and mm. to let them know you've seen and heard them Sometimes it's as simple as, well, okay, so I, I think what I'm hearing is or what I'm sensing is important to you yep. is. Mm. It's as simple as that. And then the other, yeah, you're right. Or they'll say, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean this. And that's equally yep. good because, yep. mm. you know, Clarification. then you're really clarifying. Yeah. You know, we had, a, we had a, a situation like that recently with some clients and it's sort of along those same sort of lines. It wasn't so much the drama of the husband, you know, worried about the finance and the wife. Yeah. Not, but but to some degree that they both agreed, given finances, given what they wanted, all the rest of it, they'd agreed on the area. But because I'm moving from the inner west to the northern beaches, um, they were concerned. She was in particular concerned with that that lack of connection. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so she was looking for exactly the same sort of things that you would value, say, if you lived in you know Balmain or yep. Leichhardt or somewhere like that. Um, but of course, buyers in the northern beaches, well, people who live there don't behave the same way. They don't go out there and walk around yeah. the corner of the shops and get a coffee in the morning and stuff. There's none that, you know, people get in the car to do things and they also do travel to do other things. They'll go to the beach and they'll go, you know, um, yeah. you know, the Narrabeen lakes or whatever. There's, there's, there's different types of behaviors, different, um, different, yeah, just different behaviors. And so the community is meets elsewhere, not at the local village. You know, and so just having conversations with them about that, um, he was less worried about that because, of course, he was, he's still working full time, whereas she's yet to go back full time. Yeah. And she was very worried. I could just see it in her face. It was just mm. almost like pure panic. Yeah. I don't want to be disconnected. I don't want to. So then we, we, sort of named it and started talking about that and said, look, I can see that in your face. And I know that mm. if I was in your shoes, I would feel exactly like this. Is mm. that how you're feeling? I was like, yes. And and like, well, let's talk about that because after you get up there and you've settled into the new groove and how it all works up there, then the actual house is going to be more important. Yeah. So we need mm. to be thinking if I'm going to be spending more time in my own home, mm. we need to make sure that the own home is such that you're going to be going, thank God I bought this one. Mm. So with that in mind, they went back up there and looked at, re-looked at some other houses that we'd, we'd shown them, which were much nicer than the houses that we're trying to buy. Mm. And they actually, you could just see, relaxed and mm. actually ended up getting, oh, well, I'm actually really proud. Lucy negotiated this dealer <laughs> off market. And one of the ones that was substandard that, that we honestly didn't want them to buy for for a number of reasons, but they, they were, you know, she was very keen on because of this connection. It actually subsequently sold at auction for more money. It was worth less, should have been worth less every day of the week. And mm. but because we could have this conversation and just get this out in the open and and really explore what it was the fear that was actually, you know, she was right at the bottom of the funnel. But did she know that that was her fear, or did she, you know, because when you talk about self sabotaging and things like that she probably was displaying it in other ways and, you know, like was coming up with other reasons why she doesn't want to live, for example, there or 
worries, but hadn't identified that it was really that connection that... She was pretty clear, she, yeah. but I guess it was drawing the link between what she was letting go when she was leaving an area that she's really familiar with to going into a new area mm. and to just sort of getting it out there that that area has different things to offer yeah. than this area. And if you go there thinking, looking for the same things that you get in yeah. this area, you're going to be disappointed because they're not going to be the same. Yeah. And so it was really just sort of getting that out on the table. And so because I don't want you going there thinking you're going to replicate what you have here because you can't. Yeah. And, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I love what you did in, um, so it did in, as, as we start coming up the funnel, we find the truth. We find yeah. the truth of what what's really, um, what's really triggered us or we find an alternative truth. Um until we until we name what it is when we're stuck at the bottom. So you can imagine this lady might have been, I don't know, I'm guessing, mm. but might have told herself, oh, God, if I move over to the northern beaches, you know, I'll, I'll be really disconnected from my friends. Yeah. Mm. Now imagine where that thought would go. I'll never make any friends again. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be really lonely. Um, this will be all my yeah. husband's fault. Mm. Uh, my children won't have nice play dates because I won't yep. know all the, the people. Oh, I'll never get back to work because I haven't got any contacts yeah. there. So I'll never imagine how quickly mm. that could spiral. Yeah. My life is horrible. And my life is horrible. <laughs> yes. this. Yep. Um, now, this, yeah. this whole is sounding, you know, very, very pessimistic. But and we, we do but this. We do, yeah. we do hold on to an element of that. Now, then what happens is... If that's how our mind is thinking when she's trapped at the bottom of the funnel, it's the rotten thing about being a human, mm. your brain then starts wanting to collude. It kind yes. of runs a confirmation bias. Mm. Yeah. See? Look at that. Look at that. It goes, it goes looking for evidence yeah. Yeah. that tells you, oh, no, this, this is a thing. Um, another yeah, anecdotal re- evidence, yeah, right? Anything. Yeah. And it's and it does that to sort of try and confirm, you know, that you're right. Now, the, the reason it's doing that at the bottom, now, I'm not a psychologist, but... You heard, have you heard the term an amygdala hijack? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Yep. So your amygdala part of your brain fight is the fight or flight. Mm. So that's where she is. She's in, you know, she's or heightened. Freeze. Or freeze. Yeah, 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 fight, fight, freeze. So she's in a heightened sense of, mm. of, of anxiety around that. The amygdala is taking over. All the blood, energy, yeah. oxygen, glucose is going to that part of the brain. Mm. You can't get out of it. You can't get out of it from that part of the brain mm. either. Um, so by what you did in, in the step two of coming up the funnel is... Articulate some of those things you're saying to yourself or you might be feeling. Is it true? Is mm. it really true that, you know, people on the northern beaches, you know, don't <laughs> connect yeah. or you might yeah, not yeah. find new friends or they'll never go for a coffee together? Or And then when she realises, no, actually, that's not true, but wow, what is true? Is mm. connections really important for yeah, me? Yeah, that's right. Whoa. Now you're in an exciting place to look for a house. Yeah. yeah. Now, and then you you found new truths for her. Around connection with that new, it's a beautiful piece of coaching you did. Well, really, I'm so excited! I have to yeah. say, I mean, it was just so wonderful that we left it with them to actually say, well, now that we've had this discussion, you know, just rethink and revisit. There's no pressure to buy any of these houses. Yeah, mm. you know, it, it, it's around if it takes time and you need to go. And actually, we talked about going and renting there too for a while to test yeah, exactly test that to test those assumptions. Yes, mm. nice. Um, yeah, and because just to take the pressure off. Yeah. You know, you don't have to make the decision now. You don't have to buy now. I know it feels like the market's a bit crazy up there at the moment as well. Yep. Um, so that doesn't help. But, you know, at the end of the day, the, the wrong decision will actually cost you in innumerable ways yeah. that, that yeah. taking a bit of time out won't. Yeah. I think that's right. I mean, that's the thing. I get clients, um, you know, they come, they want to make, you know, really want to make some, buy something, especially when the media is there pumping it up mm. and there's, you know, they're worried the market's going to run on them and, they always want to, but it's the worst time to make a decision when you haven't been thinking about it. Then all of a sudden you want to make this huge life-changing decision mm. and do it tomorrow. Um, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's you know, I've clients just recently, um, you know, luckily, fortunately they missed out at auction, um, but it was the first property they'd looked at and it was the first weekend we had them pre-approved and they were gung-ho on this property. And um, like, you know, I just don't think they've, it might have been the right property, but I just don't think they've done enough legwork and enough research yeah. Mm. because it's a different area. Yeah. They haven't really lived there before and then all of a sudden they found this property. I thought, we well, just got pre-approved yesterday. Oh, we're going on auction Saturday. <laughs> um, I'm like, it looks fine, but is it really what you want? Um, and, you know, they did miss out, so they're still looking. But I feel like it was a good thing to miss out on it just because it gives them time to look at other options yeah. and really – you know, because I think the faster you rush things, and it's again, it's that you know, it's like this little voice on our shoulder that is telling our thing, telling us things that we don't know to be true, mm. making massive mm. assumptions about them. Yes, I, I, because I was sort of, you know, I'm, I was thinking about 
this podcast and I was coaching a client the other day, totally not about property, but actually she has recently bought a property and I and it now makes sense when we unpacked the funnel with her around mm. that purchasing choice about how much is impacting her life. But one of the things she was telling herself is, I'm useless at auctions. We're mm. never gonna we're never gonna mm. buy a house at auction. Because she had lost two or three that she'd really liked. Yeah. And that that um that limiting self-belief was they were about to panic and go and do something awful. They did, in the end, work with yeah. a buyer's agent because I think their truth was not, we're useless at our auctions, we're never going to buy our house. Their truth was, oh, this is competitive. Mm. We're not actually skilled. Mm. Yeah. We're both busy professionals and actually this is having a really negative impact on our life. We probably need to get new experience or different experience. That was a really lovely choice. So that yeah. came from their uh, their truth, yeah. and then the third step is choice. What will you go and do differently? Which <laughs> actually, not, agent. which in because her case makes sense. It's not going to make sense in everybody's yeah. case. No, but, but it, it is. Theirs, it, did. it is funny that you say. You know, the truth is we're crap at auctions. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because most people are, even with those that don't think they are. But but that the follow on from that comma, and that means it will never buy. Yes. Yeah. So that that's a really interesting sort of. Yeah, so they're instead of just being defeatist about it, packing up their toys, chucking them out of the cot mm. and saying, right, I'm not playing in this market, which some people do. Some yeah. people do. They've, yeah. That's how they've gone themselves out. Or they just stay out. in the house that they don't love because they're yeah. like, I yeah. don't want to go through the buying process hard. again. I've literally just got a new client and, uh, you know, they they hashed back to me a story that how they bought their old other place and um, it was at auction and they're engaging a buyer's agent. It's not in one of your patches. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's... Um, they went to auction and it was it was quite a you know it was 1.4 they were buying it and then they they were just they were the highest bidder and the auctioneer put so much pressure on them mm. to bid again against themselves and and they were in a hundred people wow. in the crowd and wow. they bid against themselves and oh. they had an extra twenty grand on and then he knocked the hammer down and they were like walked away and thought we just bid against ourselves and paid an extra 20 grand. Mm. Now they're like switched on and they know. Yeah. And so now they're, they they were never going to bid at auction again. We want a buyer's agent. They came to me with that. Um, <laughs> but it was interesting though, mm. like, cause you know, they were, they could just, and they just, it was completely irrational. They knew they shouldn't have been doing it. That in the moment she, she said to me, like, I, sh I knew I shouldn't have been doing it. Mm. And we looked at each other and we, but we just felt compelled to do it. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Get it from the it. elephant. Yeah. Just to. <laughs> the, wasn't the, it? The, just that's the rider along. wanting to go right yeah. and the elephant going left, yeah. isn't it? So parents, you do a lot of coaching mm. with parents, um, mm. with teenagers mainly, or is it younger kids, no, it's, different it's, ages? It's, I mean, all of the, all of these things, all these great sort of tools that you can learn to kind of like. I don't know, find find a higher masterful level of yourself in a way. Um, they work with teenagers. They work with um, with younger kids. What I love doing the most is working with parents around that kind of um, transition stage where they've gone from, um, you know, initially when, you know, when yours is born, you're, you're very much um, parent's teacher to begin with. You're yep. teaching them everything. That's yep. your role. Then you kind of switch into this parent as manager and you're kind of like bloody driving them everywhere and you're getting them out of bed and you're teaching them, oh, you're making sure they get to school and yep. you're managing. And we get really good at managing. Mm. And that's where we get stuck because mm. then they start turning sort of 12, 13, 14. They don't want to be managed and a lot of families then start. It gets a bit oh, bumpy right. because. Interesting, yeah. yeah. So then we the the well, my solution is you you learn how to become a parent as coach because then actually you're not managing them you're coaching. Asking them. You're right asking questions. them questions. You're allowing them to self solve. You're trying to empower them to mm. be really independent and responsible. Mm. Adults in training. Adults in training. But mm. if you learn this stuff early and you bring your kids up with this kind of language, literally when they're really little. Um, it's just it's just smooth. It's going to be easier through. for you, Chris. Much oh. easier than for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only learning so it I'm now. She's lots, 13. Lots of audio, audible books <laughs> on this on the holiday. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's lots, lots ahead of me, I think. Um, but what are some of the things, like in terms of coaching those parents with teenagers, what are some of the things that you think that a prop, if you add property into that element? <laughs> I was say, yeah. This is a property podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in there, though. He's looking like, for free parenting advice. What are advice those sort of things? Do they want with teenagers? Like, do they want separate living areas? Have they found oh, that the property, yeah, the property yeah. is impacting their relationship? Because, you know, without doubt it will, right? Because if the property is like A, too small or mm. wrong layout um, or things like that, have you, have they, are parents ever talked about how 
the house location or the style yeah, of the property really is impacting them? They, they do because then also depending on the personality of their children depends on how much they hear from them about, you know, what they want. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and also you watch sometimes, you watch a whole family rock up at a viewing and, you know, there's, you know, stereotypical grumpy teenagers, you know, slouching around and this is all rubbish, probably because there's something in that particular house that, yeah, that doesn't suit them. They've... Mm not got the teenage retreat or a separate entrance or their own bathroom or yeah, whatever it is. We help a lot of families and yeah. it's really interesting how some parents give the, their teenage kids a lot of say mm. and others give them no say. <laughs> um, so it's, it is a really interesting just to, to watch that dynamic play out and the, some of the things that they definitely want, they want the kids to be able to be more mobile with public transport um, so that, you know, mum and dad do have a life and don't have to be ferrying yeah. all the time. And so as the kids get more independent, obviously that that um, is easier. It's funny you say that because I think a lot of people don't realise like the bus stop out the front or just around the corner or a couple <laughs> hundred metres away, probably not out the front, don't buy that one, but a couple hundred metres away. If you drive to work or you don't need the public transport, mm. you never even think about it. You think, I don't even need that. Yeah. So, but it's the kids, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. The, it's the teenagers that... Opens up, but it's actually a better property because it's got that bus stop, even though you don't use it. And when your kids are in primary school, you just don't even think about that. Mm, it's only no. really when they hit year seven. Um, and then the other thing that a lot of teenage or parents of teenagers really all of a sudden it's like they absolutely desperately need that second living area. And even if it's sort of above the garage or at the side of the garage something. or something, because they want their their kids to bring their friends home, not so much because they like having teenagers around, but a lot of parents want to have that sort of home where the kids feel safe and feel comfortable and confident. They prefer yeah. to have stuff happening under their own roof than having those kids go elsewhere. Mm. Yeah. So there's, there's you know, a little bit of a control freak maybe, but but there's that sort of giving them the space so that they feel that there's a little bit of autonomy. With It's sort of like freedom within the fence, you know. It's that sort of safe. Uh, and it's quite incredible how much of that comes up when we've got when we're working with families with teenagers. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know the the answer is around asking them, but obviously you know, it's not like a wish list. Yes, mm. and I've got a fairy wand and I can have all of these. <laughs> but is before you start the process um, and before you start looking, it's it's trying to just find out a little bit about the types of things that you know might actually trigger them or that they might be looking for. Now, you can't promise all of them, mm. but if mm. you have that really nice, open, kind of connected conversation at the beginning, um, then if you are going to end up finding something that doesn't tick yes. all those boxes, <laughs> it, it, at least you know, and that's all around sort of teaching people about compromise yep. and give and take as well. The same with couples. It's the same, it's, it yeah. is. Yeah. But I think the, the, in, the biggest impact I've noticed, and this is within families when they're when you're buying a house or you're looking to move. But it's also in the, the huge amount of corporate work that I do yep. and the impact it has on people at work. It's watching how if you're at the bottom of the funnel around your property purchasing or selling, that just leaks out into everything all your yeah. life. Um, and it's really trying to watch that because the sometimes unintentional, but the negative impact that can have on other people, the whole thing then gets blamed around the property. Mm. So, you know, mum and dad are cranky for six months while we're looking for a house and moving. Yeah. Moving to that house, hmm, something about the environment and the energy in that yeah. house that is not as nice <laughs> as I'd like it to wow, be. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Every week we hear incredible stories of the dumb things property buyers do. Dumb things that end up costing a whole lot of money and are a whole lot of stress. Mistakes that can be avoided. Please, Jackie, can you give us an example of a property Dumbo? We can all learn what not to do from these stories. So, look, I don't know if it's a Dumbo or not, but it's an interesting, it's interesting kind of to debrief what one of my clients was telling me the other day she was doing. Yeah. Um, so she was really, she was really, really triggered. This is the one actually that in the end did engage a um, buyer's agent. Buyer's agent. Yep. But her, just her experience and she wishes she could have cleaned this up a little earlier. She could yeah. have done this sooner. So first of all, remember, yeah, yeah with a with funnel, first yeah. thing, catch it, catch the trigger. And her, her trigger actually was her real estate agent who mm. was ringing apparently all the time, <laughs> leaving her long messages. Um, and she was getting, you know, really, really triggered. Her, her response actually was, Whenever she would listen to the message, she'd yep. grit her teeth. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she was really quite triggered by him. Mm. Then she realised actually it wasn't the message. It was just, you know, seeing his number coming in on the phone. Yeah, yeah. So already she is responding in a bad mood. Mm. She's really 
um, she was saying, I'm critical, I'm really unfocused, and I am so cynical about this whole process. So that's just like kind of yeah. eating away about mm. that a little bit. What did she do? Well, she started, you know, I asked people, what happens then? What's your behavior at the bottom of the funnel? And she just got short and abrupt um, and just a bit snappy. Yeah. Um, whole load of uh, internal, listen to this, this is the internal dialogue going on in her right. head. He's an idiot. Doesn't he realize I'm busy? He's just making stuff up. He's lying. This is ruining my life and my job. We'll never find a house. Mm. We always stuff up at auction. What is the point? Wow. So that's, that's, and, and she wasn't conscious, but yeah. when we kind of write it down, that's what was fascinating. Going on. Yeah. I've so, copied this. <laughs> we did a bit of an exercise about the funnel and we sort of tried to access, you know, which I haven't got time for now, but mm. how you access the truth, the real truth, how yeah. you hear, you know, the discerning voice in your head. And in, in her truth, she has some really lovely insights. In her truth, she said, I'm making huge assumptions about him. I really don't know about him at all. Um, my Because I'm being cynical, it is leaking out everywhere. Wow. Mm. I'm snappy with my kids. I'm snappy with my husband. And I'm not listening. I'm not listening to a word he's saying. Mm. So she realized, I'm missing. Mm. He has got a lot of wisdom and experience. I'm missing all of this because mm. I'm so, you know, fixed up with my internal dialogue um so she realized i am letting his name in my phone <laughs> cause me to be cynical and unfocused all day every day and then actually it was then sort of probably you know damaging her trust with other people as well because that's yeah. just how she was wow, showing up in the yeah, world yeah interesting isn't it um so the third step is once you've had that insight well now what what mm. choices have you got so it's now a bit of a brainstorm with yourself it's been more resourceful isn't it yeah how yeah. can i what what just what can i do differently uh, in her biggest insight, she said, I am letting what should be a joyful experience become painful. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so what are you going to do? So beautiful. Really, this is it was lovely. a really yeah. lovely insight. So she gave a couple of tips to herself. I will pause before I pick up the phone. Mm. Now, it sounds simple, but you can imagine how profound mm, that was for her. Yeah. I'll pause before I pick up the phone. Or just take, it's taking a moment just to take, take notice, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I yeah. will just take a breath. And remind myself that this actually is quite a joyful occasion mm. and we're fortunate and we can buy a house. Um, and I think she just said she had a little message, which is probably a bit private for her, but it was about being happy in her head. She had a little mm. mantra mm. to say in her head. Um, and then her two thoughts were, it's not forever. I've got to stop getting angry with a thought. Mm. Mm, love it. So, re yeah, really kind of cleaned it up. And I think had she not done that or had she she wished she had done that earlier and probably saved, you know, mm. a good few few clients, actually. Which quite a few clients recently, I think they're stuck in that. So they've, like, there's a really hot market out there right now. And so they've got a house, they've got pretty low debt and they're thinking about investing. And so then they're out and they don't want to, you know, even though I, you know, advise all clients to go on these buyers agents, they don't want to do it sometimes because of the fee or mm. they just just don't really see, just don't want to do it themselves, right? And then they go out and then they miss a few and then, you know, then they just, they don't go buy, right? So yeah. what was potentially something great for their financial future, something they should have done if they just had enough knowledge and enough confidence, then they kind of self-sabotage. They probably go through that thing and then this is all a bit too waste of time. It's really frustrating. I can't – and they just park it. Mm. And then whether they revisit it or not, we don't know. Like they might revisit it in 10 years' time and then they go, actually, now it's too close to retirement now. Maybe I shouldn't do it. And so all it really was is just catching himself in that situation and going, this is all a bit – why is this so hard? It doesn't need to be so mm. hard. What are my other options? Can I find more – you know, and then get the job done, you yeah. know. And so it's very, it's very good. Yeah. Did you have a Dumbo as well? Another one? Did you? Yeah, the, two. <laughs> the, the, the other Dumbo was a very simple one. And actually, it goes back to what Chris was saying. This was a story that came up at a dinner party the day that I was at. And I just said to people, hey, what's the biggest property mistake you've ever made? And someone started talking. This had happened 15 years ago. It was as if she was talking like it had happened yesterday. Wow. And I oh, thought, yeah. wow, you're still carrying all of that. And now, obviously, we've got the insight of something like the funnel, but she panicked. Mm. She had been, she put an offer on. She had got all the paperwork back in the day when she took it round to the house. And the the, uh, the real estate agent said, here's the trigger line. Is that your best offer? That's the way he said it, apparently. Or that's the way she heard it. Mm. Yes. Yes, <laughs> Good yes, distinction. She, yes, she says, that, that's my best offer. Is that really your best offer? And he asked the same question three times that really intimidated her, panicked her. And then apparently, allegedly, uh, he also said there was another offer on the table. 
Um, so she upped her offer, um, went away, and apparently as she was walking up the drive, she had this being caught <laughs> with the real estate back in the house and felt there never was another offer or... I was, oh, was overly I intimidated yeah, and yeah. I got played. And she may or may not have. She but, may, but she may not have. But, she's, but she got the house and that's what she wanted. Well, then. no, but she still believes she was intimidated because 15 years later she tells a story. So she she's, tells a story. So there's an element and of regret there. Won't say it now, but also names the real estate agent and probably does that quite readily mm. as well. Which is a real shame for that real estate, real estate agent if actually they're just, well, they're just doing their job. Yeah. That's, End of the that's day. fundamentally what they're doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, because they've done their job, you know, rightly or wrongly. Mm. Um, anyway, it is interesting though. But, yeah, to carry mm. that 15 years later mm. and still be not satisfied that you got a good deal, mm. that's that's all that it didn't matter, mm. you know, either yeah, or. It, yeah. it, that's that's really quite yeah. sad, isn't it? And and as you say, it's probably not a truth but it was a perception. Mm. So that perception then sticks. Is reality. It mm. is. And then mm. every time that particular person is back into a property-related conversation or buying mm. other property again there's that bias that you know all real estate agents are yeah. lying and there yeah. to rip me off and, yeah. and that sits there and it's not a truth but it sits there at the bottom of the funnel yeah. and mm. then clouds the ability to really see objectively from the top of the funnel well this has been a very interesting conversation jackie who is so in you know Appreciative of you coming along and sharing this model with us and the thinking behind it. There's a lot more to it, obviously, that one little interview only just scratches the surface. So you've got some resources that we can, well, you've got your, actually the book, your book on, on parenting. The book is on parenting, Which, yes. you know, let's face it, this is all about just decision-making and mm. in life. It's life skills anyway. So we'll put the link so people can buy that if they want awesome. to. There's yeah. a, I'm sure a lot of parents of teenagers out there. Yeah. I'm reading it. It's very helpful. <laughs> um, so we'll put that in the show notes and, um, and you know, we're going to take on board all the uh, things that we've learnt today and thank you so much. Paul, you're very, very welcome. It's great to come and talk to you. Thank you. We want to make you a better elephant rider and this week's elephant rider training is... Well, I want to answer a question that a lot of people are asking me at the moment. Okay, so the market's hot, prices are rising. Uh, we've had, um, you know, it's quite rapid growth and, and clearance rates sort of in the high 70s now for a couple of months. And people are saying, okay, well, is the market too hot? Should I buy now because it's going to continue growing or shall I wait? And what I want to do is, this is a good example, I guess, of the funnel, decision-making at the pointy end of the funnel. You're feeling pressure because prices are rising and you fear of missing out on all that stuff. Am I stupid for buying or am I not stupid for buying, et cetera, et cetera, is going on in people's minds. Well, I guess one thing I would say, buy now if you find the right property. It's crazy to wait. And, you know, you think prices might fall in the future or whatever, but the right property may not come up in quite the same way. So if you found the right property, my advice is buy. But do not buy now, and this is when it is right to wait. You wait if you haven't found the right property. If you are buying now because of FOMO, if you're buying because of fear of things rising and you being priced out of the market, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yes, I get the pressure of that. I get that that, that uh, is a very real fear for people. However, it is never the reason to jump in and buy the wrong property People who lost the most amount of money when the market downturned were those that had actually bought the wrong asset, those that bought wrong and had to actually sell in a very inconvenient time physically did lose money, but others lost money in terms of capital growth or in terms of lack of capital growth or minus growth because they actually bought an asset that wasn't a great asset, you know, on a main road or something like that. Now, so they're the things not to jump at. So that's the two general rules, you know, that yes, the market's hot. Yes, you might feel like you want to sit at your hands and wait it out until things cool down again. But if you've found the right property, don't do that. Just give it your best shot. And if you haven't found the right property, it's the right time to wait. Yeah, I mean, I'd second that with, um, yeah, get yourself, get your ducks lined up and start, to, even if you don't want to buy it till the new year or something like that, you just start getting it, doing the legwork, doing your, looking at lots of open homes and actually finding out what the right property is because, um, you know, you don't want to then go waste three or four months in February, March time, just waiting for the market even further. So yeah, I, I would say that, you know, even be proactive and get pre-approved and don't delay even that process because, you know, you never know that right property could come up. If you're not even ready, then there's no point even. Yeah. The old girl guides and scouts motto, be prepared. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Please join us for our next episode when we tackle a bunch of your questions and we'll be covering a whole bunch of things that affect capital growth, such as whether a new townhouse will outperform an old townhouse in the same suburb. We'll also discuss different types of land title and their impact on resale. We're going to talk about rent vesting in Tasmania and all the things that have to be in place in order to be cash flow positive. We've got questions about what you need to ask your building and pest inspector and the styling tips and tricks that property buyers need to be on the look out for. Please join us. Don't forget we're on all the social channels. We're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter. Or you can connect with us on theelephantintheroom.com.au. The links are all there for you. Please connect and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The Elephant in the Room Property Podcast is recorded at the Sydney Sound Brewery. This week's podcast was recorded by John Risk. Editorial by Gordy Fletcher. Until next week, don't be a dumbo. Now remember, everything we talked about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent who will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances with a statement of advice.